Hello again, Mitch Michaels here. Time for another edition of the Money Mitch Effect. It's an NFL show today. Going to hop on the line with Ryan Souls and talk about a crazy week six in the NFL. The Cowboys keep winning. The Panthers keep losing. Brady dominates the Bengals. All that and much more. Also, Odell Beckham Jr. My goodness, we will get into that. As well as make our picks for week seven. Some good games on the slate. Not going to want to miss that. It's the Money Mitch Effect. It's an NFL show, and it starts right now. Here we go. Okay, so now on the line, the Money Mitch Effect, we have Ryan Souls coming back, a reoccurring guest. And Ryan, thanks again for joining the show. Of course, man. I'm happy to be here, and it's always good to talk sports with you. So we're back. We're back into it. And uh, we started talking football. I think you were on the uh, third or fourth show ever, um, and we were right before NFL season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a don't lot's changed since then. <laughs> yeah, man, so much has changed. Just a few weeks. Hard to believe that the Vikings, who we had serious questions about, and I think rightfully so, are now the only undefeated team left. The Panthers are one in five, and after a four-game suspension, Tom Brady picked up where right where he left off. Uh, it's just been a wild start to the season, and maybe nothing, Ryan, more wild than what the Dallas Cowboys did this Sunday against the Green Bay Packers, where two rookies, two rookies, quarterback Dak, quarterback Dak Prescott and running back Ezekiel Elliott, went into Lambeau Field and beat Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Dominant performance. And not only did they beat them, they hung up 30 points, uh, like you said, going into Lambeau, two rookie quarter, I mean, two rookie players, a quarterback and a running back. And I think, Mitch, to go along with them beating Green Bay, uh, it also makes them 5-1. and one. And a lot of people, including myself, did not see that as the onset uh, for the Dallas Cowboys season. So to start 5-1 and one with uh, rookies at two marquee positions, um, both playing really well, uh, is really cool to see. And uh, I think, you know, we'll get into this, if this says more about Green Bay than it does Dallas, but... Regardless, you can only play who you can play, and their record is what their record is. And they're, they're playing good football, man. Yeah, they certainly are. Let's start with uh, the running back, Ezekiel Elliott. I'm very bu- I was very bullish on this guy coming out of the Ohio State University behind that offensive line. Uh, it was an aggressive pick, but one that I think even we would say we wouldn't blame Jerry Jones for Oh, not for at all. Ryan, Green Bay only allowed 171s all season in four games. He's ran for 157. He's got over 700 yards. He could very well catch uh, Eric Dickerson's rookie record in the 1800 range. And 2000 is even in play. What what this kid's doing is unbelievable. It is. It is. And, you know, I, I don't want to throw in the rookie aspect or him running behind a huge offensive line. You've got to look at this guy's individual performance and just be in awe uh, for somebody his age doing this. But with that being said, uh, it can't hurt uh, having uh, some monsters to run behind either. So I think, uh, you know, if he if he gets whatever record he gets, I think he's well on pace to make rookie of the year. He's taking that offensive lineman out for uh, a few stakes, if you ask me. Uh, but nonetheless, he's, yeah, he's killing it out here. Yeah, they're going to eat very well. Uh if Ezekiel Elliott knows what's good for him, he's going to take care of the big guys up front. But, no, he, he's been amazing. And at the quarterback position, Dak Prescott coming in kind of like a bizarro Romo. Um, he 
hasn't taken as many chances. He's spread the ball out as I know you're mm-hmm. a big fan of. And really, you know, it took him a while until he threw his first interception, setting the record for rookie quarterback on most passes without. But, Ryan, he just understands the position. The moment's not too big for him. And I noticed that he's not trying to get, you know, get his, so to speak, his statistical numbers. He just wants to win. Absolutely. And it's He's really just playing within himself. Like you said, he's really not trying to get his. Uh, and I think he really came into this team, came into the league, so to speak, knowing his role. You know, he was going to be a backup. There really wasn't going to be uh, a chance of him taking the job from Tony in camp. But injuries is a whole other factor, and he has maximized the most of the opportunity uh, for what he was given. And Dak, like you said, is uh, I think – been more than a game manager, but like he, he hasn't um, had really too many of those high risk, uh, high risk, high reward plays. But he's playing quarterback better than just a game manager, so to speak, in the same light. You know, I think, and let's give Tony Romo credit, Ryan. He's handled it great. He hasn't been a distraction. He's been supportive. Um, but this should be Dak's job to lose now. I don't know what more you could do. Now, I know it's hard to, to trust mm-hmm. what Jerry Jones is going to do, but any logical person, I think, should. I, I agree. This way. And, uh, you know, you, the key word was logic, and I don't know how much logic Jerry Jones has when it comes to the Cowboys. <laughs> uh, that being said, I think anything's on the table while he's the owner of that team. I, I think you've got to stay with Dak Prescott, but – We've seen in the past uh, his loyalty to Tony Romo, not even just his, Jason Garrett, Stephen Jones even, and that whole team, the offense loves. They love him having, love having him around. Um, so we'll, we'll see if they can really fight that urge to do that, uh, to keep Dak out there. And going to the other side of that game, Ryan, if we look at um, the Green Bay Packers, their offense has been struggling, um, given their lofty standards, that is. Do you think this is the case of Aaron Rodgers' play? Are they just not finishing? Why isn't the Green Bay Packer offense gelling the way we would expect them to? Um, I think you can devote some partial blame towards Aaron Rodgers, but I don't think he's um, a huge chunk of it at all. I think he's played uh, lackluster to his standards, but he hasn't not, he's not been playing terrible football. Uh, I think it's a combination of no running game, play calling, coaching, uh, but I don't think it all falls on Aaron here. Yeah, I get the sense that Rodgers is just not quite playing his all-worldly level, but Mm -hmm. he's still playing pretty good. He had a lot of yards in that game, a lot of completions. They just didn't finish at the red zone. Give Rod Marinelli and that Cowboy defense credit, Ryan. I mean, I hate to keep going back to Dallas, but – their defense is playing well. Mo Claiborne, they're even getting a lot out of him. And uh, this team, this Dallas team is good. Now, Green Bay's two losses are to a good Cowboys team and a very good Minnesota team. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we can we can look at this 3-2 and two record and, you know, I think Bill Parcell said it best, you are what you are at any point in the season. But, you know, your losses do mean something and who you lose to does mean something. And, Green Bay just looks at this as, you know, an opportunity to get better, knowing that they lost to some good teams and they can grow from here. Still plenty of time left in the season. There certainly is. Um, I I don't think we've seen the last of Aaron Rodgers playing good football. This is a 10-win team uh, at the very least. 
a uh, a very talented group of players in that locker room. Talking with Ryan Souls on the Money Mitch effect. All right, let's go out west. Seattle beat Atlanta 26-24. And the ending of this game was wild. Uh, before we get to that, let's give credit where credit was due. I was not expecting Atlanta to be this good early. Uh, and they keep proving me wrong. They beat Denver, and then they go into a hostile environment, Ryan, and they're right there, a game that a lot of people think they should have won. Oh, absolutely, and I definitely think they should have won this game, and I'm sure they feel that way. Uh, but I think compared to last year when this team started 6-0, and I believe, uh, this team was just playing better against good teams, and I think that's a lot to be said in the NFL where, where competition is at the highest and every week matters. Uh, and to be able to hang your hats on some close games like this, some games that you didn't win that you maybe should have won, and some games that people maybe didn't expect you to win and you won, I think is uh, something that they can carry late uh, if they don't turn into the Atlanta Falcons of old. Yeah, uh, we mentioned this earlier, Ryan. You think this team is significantly better than they were last year when they started off even Absolutely. Now, the end of the game, uh, that – you're a defensive guy. I consider myself more of a defensive guy. We're going to err on the side of letting them play and being physical and not calling all the ticky-tack stuff on defensive backs. But how is that not pass interference oh, with Richard Sherman? On Julio absolutely Jackson, you know? pass interference. And um, where it happened in the middle of the field, I don't understand how the officials can't see it. Uh, everybody, including the fans, uh, just went haywire when it happened because it was so blatant pass interference. And uh, it just didn't get called. It didn't get called against a premier wide receiver, a guy who might get those calls. Um, so I was just – I was really surprised. Um, but, I mean, we've seen types of things like this before with officiating, but something so blatant, especially on a pass interference, um, which they've done so much to regulate for the offense in the NFL, uh, they didn't call, which was really surprising. It's a premier receiver, but it is also a premier defensive mm. back in his home arena. So maybe Richard Sherman. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. More than Julio. But looking at Seattle, you know, now they're four and one. They're doing great things. Russell Wilson leading the offense. The defense is improving. Pete Carroll has got his team playing very well. I keep going back to number three, Ryan. Russell Wilson, more of a magician than uh, any word that I can use to describe him, because in, in spite of chaos around him on both sides of the ball. He finds a way to make big plays. Yeah, and the crazy part was he just he put his team in position to win, and he really didn't affect the scoreboard. He had no touchdowns throwing the football. He had no touchdowns running the football, but he made plays to get them in position to win the game. And sometimes as a quarterback, uh, I mean, he's won a Super Bowl even as young as he is. Uh, that's what, that's what you got to do just to win. And uh, I think this team is realizing that, and they they work uh, well with each other in terms of both units. The defense feeds off uh, the offense and vice versa. Well, it's the whole numbers versus uh, actually, you know, watching the game, mm-hmm. debate, seeing what's out there. Uh, you take a player like a Blake Bortles or whoever, you know, Tannehill, what have you, that might put up more numbers than Russell Wilson in a given game. But if you actually watch what he's doing out there, sometimes the stats don't always show you know, how dominant exactly. he is and how clutch he really is. But, you know, that line's struggling. Defensively, though, Ryan, they have been better. They've been historically good. It's a good to great defense, has some vulnerabilities, but I think we're starting to see their experience show. 
when they're able to come up with some big plays. And Absolutely, and I think this is a classic bend-don't-break defense, and I think the later it gets in the year, the more familiar they're going to get with each other because this team really wasn't a uh, physically uh, you know, bearing team. They're not going to wear you down defensively. They're going to beat you with speed, and they're going to beat you with just really everybody, 12 men on brain, essentially. And the further, the later that gets in the year, the better they're going to get at doing that. And I think we'll see this defense um, return to even being even more dominant because they have a skilled player at every a key skilled player at every level on their defense from the line all the way through the secondary, with the secondary being the strongest. So I think this this defense can get better. Scary to think that Chancellor has been out. You know he's been missing some games. Um, they've had coverage breakdowns, but I trust this mm-hmm. defense as much as anyone in the fourth quarter of a close game, especially with Elite. I think that's where they're very underrated is holding on to Elite once their offense can give them one. If we move on to uh, the AFC, Ryan, a big story, uh, biggest upset of the week in week six, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Again, not showing up on the road against a bad team. Don't know how this keeps happening. But the biggest story in that game was the injury to Ben Roethlisberger, their quarterback. You go down the roster – and you can afford to lose anybody. It's like, okay, Le'Veon, don't want to lose him, but we could deal with it. A.B., don't want to lose him, really don't want to lose him, but we could deal with it. But Big Ben, it's a can't lose. And I think you're exactly right. Uh, losing Big Ben hurt. But still, even losing Big Ben, this team should have been good enough to beat the Dolphins, uh, albeit on the road. Uh, it's a 2-4 and four Dolphins team, a, D, a team that underperforms. And to give up 204 yards and two touchdowns on the ground to Jay Ajayi, it's just nothing that resembles a Pittsburgh stellar defense. You can't, you can't lose you can't. to Jay Ajayi and Ryan Tannehill and uh, be serious about yourself. Um, that's, a, that's a big look in the mirror moment, a very humbling experience. But maybe it is on the coaching staff too, Ryan. Mike Tomlin, for whatever reason – has had this happen where they lose to bad teams. They struggle against the inferior when they can raise their level to play the good teams. Getting the team ready could go hand-in-hand with pushing the team too hard. Uh, We've heard about how intense their practices are. I think Mike Tomlin is an old-school guy. I think um, he's going to be who he is, uh, and he's going to call it like he sees it. And he's very unapologetic about how he coaches his football team and I think maybe that early success uh, gave him that luxury. And now, um, you know, we're, we're seeing him kind of in his tendencies. The teams are adjusting to what they do. Yeah. Uh, the more you get beat up, the more injured, you know, your players are going to get. I think that is the biggest thing I would take away from that. Um, ben getting hurt, you know, Bell getting hurt the last couple of years, a couple of linemen going down. Um, but with the Big Ben injury, going back to that, they play the Patriots. Very tough game, obviously, regardless of whether Ben's in there or not. They get a bye week, so he can come back, and he could, you know, with him being as as you know durable as he is, doesn't look like the injury is going to take you know too long for him to recover. And as I've said in the past, Ryan, this is a team that's dangerous, whether they're the sixth seed or the one seed. They get in the playoffs. They can score with anyone too. Yeah, it's uh, they're definitely a tough out. Talk with Ryan Souls on the Money Mitch Effect on this Wednesday as we look forward to uh, the time you're listening to this on this Wednesday as we look forward to week seven and look back at week six in the NFL. One thing I'm glad that we don't have to look back to too much uh, was this past weekend with the AFC South, Ryan. What a mess of a division that is. 
I mean, I just can't understand. You know, every year we have yeah, a division that's bad. Every year there's yeah. one that stands out above the rest. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. This might be as bad absolutely. as it's ever been. Yeah, I think this could be the worst four and two uh, team that being in the Houston Texans that uh, might be out there this year. Now it's we're, we're only six weeks in, still a lot to be seen, but. This team um, beat a team that we all think was thought was going to be, uh, you know, championship contenders. And we thought Andrew Luck could potentially be an MVP, and they won in overtime. But this division is just really perplexing. It's really bad, and yet you have a four and two team uh, at the top of it, and four and zero oh at home. The Texans. Well, the Texans are the classic team, Ryan, that does what they're supposed to do. I think this is an average team at best, which is probably why I lean to them still winning the division. Um, mm-hmm. But they, they're they going to beat the good teams. They're going to lose gonna, to the bad, bad teams. teams. The good I mean, teams. sorry, vice versa. I got my words mixed up. They're going to beat the bad teams, lose to the good teams. But I don't know that they can match elite-level mm-hmm. play. Now, the good thing for them is the AFC South has none of that. So they're going to be fine in divisional games. They almost blew a game at home, but luckily the Colts, Ryan, gave up 14 points in the last three minutes. That team is as big a mess as there is in the NFL. Very little of the blame can be placed at the feet of Andrew Luck. I mean, he's been a turnover machine for the last few years, but they can't protect him. We thought T.Y. Hilton was going to be better than he was. We thought when he had Andre Johnson, he was going to be better, and this team can't stop anyone uh, from scoring at all. Um I would ask you, Mitch. Do you point to Jim Irsay here? Do you point to Pagano? Who do you who do you look at? Grigson, the GM, and Pagano. I mean, they're all the blame. Irsay probably the most. It's top down, but there's something to be said. We talked about Tomlin not getting his team ready. Absolutely. At times. The Colts are usually really down fourteen nothing at some point in the first half. I mean, that 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 goes hand in hand with how the Chargers the last couple weeks have been blowing games at the end. At a certain point, the coach has got to take responsibility for what's happening. Now, with luck, with this bad division, maybe they can gut it out and go on a mini win streak. I don't know that they can. I don't even know what's going to be good enough to win this division, given that the Titans are just okay. Um, The Jaguars are not as good as we thought they'd be. 4-0 at home to me is a lot. I think they can split on the road and end up getting to 10 games if they continue this momentum at home. So I think 8-8 eight and eight, uh, sounds right, but I think, you know, you never – this could be the anomaly team of the year, and they just so happen to play in a bad division. So I got the Texans winning the division. I, I'm just not sure on the record yet. Now let's look at some good football for a change. I think we deserve that. We deserve that after, uh, after that, you know, having to grit our teeth through the AFC South. New England dismantled Cincinnati. Game got a little out of hand at the end. Bengals were in it. I whiffed whiffed on my upset pick. I thought the Bengals had a chance. But I keep going back to this, Ryan. They were in that game in the first half, and they just gave away points. Absolutely. They don't make mistakes, and they force you to make a mistake. And that's just not a good combination if you're not a team that knows how to play and finish. And I think we saw that with the Bengals. I think they have all the talent in the world. I think that defense is, is, a ta- is just as talented as any defense, though um, the scoreboard wouldn't show that uh, the last two weeks. But uh, nonetheless, the Patriots are just playing um, 
at all all time level. I think the Vikings have the record, but I think the Patriots are the best team. And honestly, I don't think it's close. Uh, and they and they look that good right now. Right, they have a very smart offensive coordinator in Josh McDaniels that knows how to get different you know weapons of ball, a couple of new toys so to speak on that offense. I love the two mm-hmm. tight end combination set with Bennett and Gronk, and a defense that's steadily improved. Um, on the flip side, though, the Bengals look we. We talk about this team a while as having a Super Bowl-laden talent, but why, Ryan, are they not able to put it together? The Bengals really need to take a look at their coaching situation. Marvin Lewis has been there, I think, for the last 12 years and just really underperformed, hasn't had a great playoff run, hasn't made the playoffs that many times. Um, with the talent that he's had on his teams, especially on the offensive side of the football and I think in the days of the NFL, we've seen other coaches uh, have shorter leashes who arguably um, have done better, potentially, so or could have done better. So I think uh, Marvin, not to say that he's a bad coach, not to say that he's not a head coach anywhere else, I just think it's time to look elsewhere. Yeah, I would, uh, I would agree with that. Marvin Lewis, um, he's been there so long, and this is an organization that just for whatever reason doesn't want to um, – doesn't want to move on. Mm-hmm. But it's really looking like a Jeff Fisher, Tennessee type of situation. And that's just sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, or, or Jeff Fisher, St. Louis slash Los Angeles situation. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, moving, uh, we're going to try to, I mean, oh, before I move on, though, I want to say, I don't think the Bengals are dead to rights. I know a lot of people are, are crossing off. They are two and four. I'll say the four losses they had. Were all the teams that we're looking at is pretty good. Uh, yeah. That's the first thing. And the other thing is I don't necessarily trust a lot of the teams in front of them, which we will you know, get to uh, in just a bit. How much do you trust the division, though? Can they afford to lose two more games with the Ravens at 3-3 three and three and the Steelers with the lead? Hmm. Wow. Um, that's tough. I think the Ravens are going to come back to earth. And Pittsburgh with the Ben Roethlisberger injury, we're saying that they're going to at least be heavy underdogs for a week. So mm-hmm. it'll be there. It, okay. it'll, it's not over. It's, it's, the seat is, uh, is you know dark orange, not red yet. Okay. Uh, All right. All right. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Um, let's uh, talk about a disastrous team so far, Ryan, the Carolina Panthers. Oh, wow. Um, one in five, we, we touched on that at the beginning of the show, but they are a mess, five losses. Josh Norman's gone. They've been beat up, but I don't know that you could point to one thing on any team when your record is one in five. I really don't, and to me, uh, this could be a reach. This could be going too deep, but I think this just spells Super Bowl hangover. I think you you take a loss in the Super Bowl. I think, you know, we saw – Cam Newton and, uh, you know, how he took it. And then to week one, the revenge game, the coach already comes out and says, we don't think we should be playing on the road to open the season. You come out and lose and lose a really close game to that team. And I think it just took the swag away, uh, to put it frankly. And I think if they win that game, I don't know if they're five and one, but I don't think they're one and five. I think they have a little bit more confidence. I think they play with a little bit more edge. And I think the past six months, I think, is really just worn on this group, it seems. Uh, that's, that, that's just me. 
Yeah, the Super Bowl hangover is real, but you talk about a team that wins all those games last year. Um, they won a lot of close games. The margin of error is so slim in this league. It's such so there's a lot of parity in the NFL. It's such competitive mm-hmm. balance throughout that sometimes the breaks just don't go your way. And, you know, it's a little different when you lose that close game and then the momentum trickles down. And then you don't have that pep in your step. Now, the injuries have been killer. Uh, don't get me wrong. Missing Cam for a game hurt them. Jonathan Stewart was a big Absolutely. loss. And the absence of a guy like, you know, Josh Norman. Uh, this secondary has holes in it that, that have been exposed, not just by Julio Jones, Ryan, but by a lot of receivers not quite as good as number 11. They so. have, but I've never seen a front seven be, uh, such a talented front seven be so ineffective. And, and, I, and I know Norman's huge, and um, it, it's yet to be seen whether is he really going to earn his money um, in Washington. I mean, he, he upset OBJ enough to earn uh, some of that million. But uh, I think this defense is just not playing to its talent because if the front seven is too good to be this bad as a, as a whole defense. Yeah, they got a lot of issues to address. Kelvin Benjamin hasn't fit back into the offense. And, you know, Cam Newton, he covered up a lot of weaknesses last year with his unbelievable season. And I'll be I'll be a little honest with you, Ryan. I'm a little worried. I'm not questioning his toughness or his heart, but even a man with his durability can't be taking the shots that he's been taking in the last, you know, a very long time. I agree. And I think... It's almost like an added chip on his shoulder to a fault because he's trying to go out there and lay in the guys like he's a running back and he forgets that he plays quarterback. He's trying to physically impose his will on a team. And I think he's got to remember uh, that balance is what got him to where he was last year, uh, being a threat, uh, a dual threat, as they say, and using his weapons. He's got Benjamin, he's got Olsen, he's got Ginn, and, you know, other guys that emerged last year, uh, Funches. Uh, so, I mean, he they've got an offense, and there's no reason why this team should be 1-5, and, five, and it's, it's really weird. I'm not entirely sure either. I think this is the case of uh, a specific team that just is having a lot of bad luck, had some talent issues, and... Everything might have gone their way one year. Everything's not going their way the next year. Uh, but there's no, you know, there's no excuse for them, you know, not competing. And I think I saw that a little in some of these games. To see talk with Ryan Souls on the Money Mitch effect. And before we go to Week Seven, two teams, Ryan, that after Week Six are now on four-game winning streaks: the Washington Redskins and the Buffalo Bills. Down but not out, lose their first two games, win their next four. Are you buying either of these teams, maybe one more than the other, or are you not sold on what they've done, respectively? You know, I'm really not sold on either team, uh, to be honest with you. But if I had to pick a team, I think I would pick the Bills, uh, just because I think they have a bigger upside. I think Rashad McCoy, uh, maybe outside of Ezekiel Elliott, uh, even as a rookie, uh, is is maybe the best running back, uh, like I said, outside of UC Elliott. And um, the defense uh, isn't playing great, but they're playing good enough. And I think they can still come around under uh, the Ryan Brothers system. 
I just don't trust Washington, to be honest with you. I think we know what their ceiling uh, looks like. I think they won the division by default last year. I'm not the hugest fan of Kirk Cousins, but he did not throw an interception yesterday. I just, I really want to know when the game's on the line and you've got to get a play, who's going to make that play with Washington. And I think for the Bills, that's a little bit more defined. you got Shady, Tyrod can make a play, defense can make a play. And I just don't, I really don't see that in Washington. I'm with you in Buffalo. I think the AFC might not be as deep. They have a great running game. The defense is crafty enough to overcome their weaknesses. I think they can, you know, mix it up and, and be gritty enough to go ten and six. Washington, where I wonder, I'm just I'm hesitant because of the games they won, the teams they've beaten, and also how they've beaten them. Kind of fortunate at the end. Buffalo's victories, Ryan, I think we can agree, have been way more uh, emphatic and, and decisive. But Washington is kind of lucky right now. Now they've won the games, they've earned it, but. Schedule's going to pick up a little bit. We'll, we'll see what happens when that happens. Now, one last guy we got to talk about, Ryan, is Odell Beckham Jr. Had over 200 yards in the second half receiving against the Ravens. He's very emotional, very passionate. Uh, a few times it's gone overboard, but when he puts it together, like we saw on Sunday, we, we got to look out and just catch our collective breaths because he is as good as any receiver to come into the league since Randy Moss. And you know, you know what? That's a bold statement, and I really can't disagree. When he is on his game and mentally engaged, um, emotionally engaged, uh, he is nearly unstoppable. And it's incredible because we've seen him do it when he he was the guy where there really there was no Sterling Shepard. Victor Cruz is injured, and now we're seeing him work. And within a group with Shepard, with Cruz, and he's out there as well. And, you know, this was really his first breakout game. But we, we've seen what Odell Beckham is capable of. Yeah, and I, and I have respect for, obviously, you know, the guys that have come in between Moss, Calvin Johnson, Ocho Senko, to name a few. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not saying that Beckham's going to reach their level of consistency. Just as it stands, you know, yeah. a couple years in the league, yeah, I, t- I would say it's um, and, you know, the other thing, too, is the quicker he realizes, I know he's a kid, Ryan, but the quicker he realizes that guys are going to mess with him because he's that good, mm-hmm. I think he'll be able to harness that. It's not picking on him directly. It's picking on a star player. It's trying to get a star player off their game. The second he realizes, and I think he might be starting to, which is pretty dangerous, but when he realizes that and doesn't let it affect him, then we're really going to be in trouble. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And teams are going to be in trouble having to come up against them one-on-one. So let's look now at week seven, Money Mitch Effect, Ryan Souls. Our weekly competition, Ryan, I'll, I'll catch you up to speed. We picked three games on this show, one game that's a lock, in your opinion, like a survivor pool, you know, just take it out. Okay. Right. Um, one game that's going to be closer than you think, uh, some upset potential, but you're not saying that the underdog will necessarily win. And then the third game is the upset as bold as you can you can possibly be, and uh, we'll just have some fun with it. So Ryan will start with the lock of the week. There's uh, and this is an interesting week of games because there's a lot of even matchups here. So there's not as many locks as you would think. So I think my lock of the week, I gotta go 
Broncos, Texans here. I think the Broncos uh, are a better team than the Texans, even though they got the same record. And um, I think this is a revenge game of sorts for this team. So I got the Broncos. That's a good pick. Uh, I'm very complimentary of this show, uh, but that it really is a good pick. Um, how is John Elway going to let Brock Osweiler beat him? That's yeah. my first thing. He will do whatever it takes, whether it's you know fill up the water bottles, cut orange slices <laughs> in halftime, or play quarterback in the third if he's needed to, to make sure that the guy he left doesn't beat him. And it's a desperate team. Denver needs this win, you know, after two losses. So, um, yeah, I like that pick. I'm going to go Patriots over Steelers, okay. Ryan. I, I think it, it. And I know Pittsburgh's dangerous. I know their back's in the corner. They pulled, you know, some, some big upsets. I don't think Belichick's going to let his team get trapped this week. And I don't think Belichick, his defensive skills, you know he likes to take away the number one thing a def- an offense can do. It makes it a lot easier now. Take away Le'Veon Bell, make Landry Jones beat him. I don't think they could do that. It's it seems easy, but you know we've been burned before. So <laughs> and we have, and this is the NFL, the ultimate parody league. Oh yeah, nothing is for sure. So what's next now, Ryan? The game that you think will be closer than projected? Okay, so the game I got, I think it's going to be closer than people think. And don't laugh at me here. But no. I'm going. I'm going Bears Packers. Uh, this is a divisional game. Yes, it's at Lambeau. Yes, the Bears are terrible. But it's a good old divisional game. These two teams hate each other. And Green Bay has not been playing their best football. Uh, they're not immune to laying an egg, another egg, so to speak. So I think Green Bay ultimately will win this game. I just think he could be close through the third quarter. You're going Green Bay, Chicago. Hmm. Well, it's not crazy. Uh, it sounds crazy, but it's not given the Packers' current struggles and and Chicago's defense being on the slightly underrated side. Not terrible. So mm-hmm. They could cause some problems. Hoyer's thrown for 300 yards in four straight games. Can you believe that? <laughs> right. That's crazy. Uh, and Rodgers is coming off his streak where he went like 10 games in a row without throwing for 300. So... Yeah, that is, that's not as outrageous as it sounds. Speaking of not out, as outrageous as it sounds, how about the Browns, Ryan? How about my Cleveland Browns being a close loser against the Bengals this week? You know, I think it's the same sort of scenario with uh, Chicago and Green Bay. Now, I don't think Green Bay is nearly – I mean, uh, Green Bay is far better than Cincinnati, I believe. But the Browns can hang in with another divisional opponent uh, and play well and uh, scare you a little bit. So, no, I, I don't think it's far-fetched at all. Uh, I'm, I'm hopeful they can pull off the win, but I'm not delusional. So I'm going to say it's going to be closer than you think. I just worry about Pryor's health. We need him out there. But, you know, Kessler's looking good. Mm-hmm. Bengals are struggling. Why not? And then finally, oh, and he, I totally forgot the Hugh Jackson revenge factor. Can't forget that either. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and then lastly, your upset pick. Who you got? So my upset pick, I, I had a pick, and then I watched the game last night, and I was originally going to pick the Cardinals beating the Seahawks, but both teams got four wins. I'm going to pick the Chargers upsetting the Falcons here. I, I think the Falcons, this could be their chance for them to fall back into their old ways and Phillip Rivers to just continue to put up numbers and maybe catch the Falcons 
on napping, maybe. So I'm gonna go Chargers. Wow, no, I uh, I don't mind that. I really don't. Uh, Rivers has proven that he could throw on any defense, mm-hmm. and the Falcons could revert. This is this will tell us a lot about Atlanta. Will they fall back into that in that local trap, and how will they respond after a loss that they feel like they should have won? It's a solid pick. I'm going to say Colts over Titans. I, I hate that I'm on Chuck Pagano and Jim Mercer's team this week. I think I immediately regret it, but I'm going to go Colts over Titans. Just because, why not take the underdog in every AFC South? <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I, Titans, are we building them up? Are we so sure that they're good, or is everybody else around them just bad? Exactly. Exactly. Know, we'll see. This is the game where Locke could actually put up a lot of points, and then... And then we'll see what happens. But, Ryan, uh, before I let you go, you know, one last question I'd like to ask people going into the NFL Sunday. What are you looking forward to? What are you looking forward to seeing? You know, what's the one thing you're looking to hopefully see? This okay, day? so you know I'm an Eagles fan. And uh, this is going to be – this is a scary matchup with the Vikings coming into Philly. But I'm just curious to see how the Eagles play this team. I, I, I'm like – I, like I say, and like you say, we're fans, but we're not delusional. I think the Vikings are going to win this game, but I just really want to see how the Eagles hang tough. I want to see how Carson plays against his defense. When they're not going to be able to run the football, uh, Vikings giving up 12 rushing yards a game, I think, something like that. Uh, so th- this will be interesting. That's what I'm most excited about. Boy, the, ske- the schedule sure does get hard for Carson Wentz and the Eagles uh, coming up. So I'm looking forward to seeing that as well. Um you know, I think Minnesota should win, but this could be, you know, they're coming off the bye. Everyone's been touting them up. There might be a vulnerability there. Um, but we'll see if the Eagle defense can can set the tone, get a lead, make Minnesota play catch-up. You don't want to be behind them. No, you defense. don't. Not at all. I, I think that's the first thing. Uh, one game I wanna, I'm want i looking forward to is the Sunday night game, Seattle-Arizona. You know, Arizona that's going to be a good game. Against the Jets this week on Monday night football. The Jets are a disaster. That would not standing, but Seattle looking good. This is a rivalry game. Where do we gauge Arizona? They've won a few. They're back to you know 500. But where are they? What what are they going to look like when all is uh, when all is said and done against a good team? And is Seattle back now to being the the dominant father figure in that division? Very intriguing. Very intriguing. Oh, and I also want to see. Hopefully, no Browns quarterbacks get injured. It's the most dangerous job in America. Maybe the world. I mean, I know you. I know you have a lot of respect for the the deadliest catch fishermen, and I do for you know a lot of professions like the window washers on skyscrapers. But you know the the Steve Irwins of the world too. You know those guys got it rough. Um, but you know, rest in peace. Yeah, rest in peace. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I obviously agree with that. I think it would be a tough decision if you say, would you rather quarterback for the Cleveland Browns? Or wrestle a crocodile. Wrestle a crocodile. Or would you rather be on the prosecution team uh, against El Chapo? I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's pretty bad. <laughs> we got a tough one. That's uh, that's for another show entirely. But, Ryan, thanks for hopping on the show. We appreciate you here on the Money Mitch Effect. And we will be checking in as this NFL turbulent season continues to wind up and uh, we get to some meaningful games come Christmas. Yeah, happy to do it. Can't wait to do it again. Big thanks to Ryan Souls for hopping on the podcast to talk 
NFL football, one of my good friends from St. Louis University. Always nice talking football with a sharp mind in the sport like himself. That's going to do it for our show today. You can find all the episodes on SoundCloud. We have them on iTunes as well as Google Play. You can follow me on Twitter at MoneyMitchM21. Another show planned Friday. Hope you like college football. Mitch Michaels here signing off. Thanks again for joining the Money Mitch Effect. We have a big week planned for you next week in November. is going to be our month. I'm predicting it right now. Enjoy the football. Enjoy the baseball as well. I want to give a last shout out to the Cleveland Indians as well as the local LA Dodgers. We could be seeing the uh, the series that I've dreamed of, Indians-Dodgers. So not going to want to miss that. Mitch Michaels signing off. Have a great week. and hope you enjoyed this edition of the Money Mitch Effect. Take care, everybody.